Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, very special show. I have... Um, a guest who I met about a week ago in Medjugorje. And so I invited him to come on because most people in Medjugorje are not young, athletic men. <laughs> so I thought it'd be good to have his perspective on what we're, what we experienced, what we saw, what we did. And so today I have with me a John J.D. Carney. Hi, John. Hello, Father. Thank you for How having me. How are you? Me. Doing You're well. Welcome. Good. Okay, so the first thing I think I wanted to ask you was, before you got there, so before you went, I know your mother's been there already, but what was your first thoughts about going to this place in the middle of nowhere? That's a really good question. I think from what I knew about before the trip, I knew that something special was happening in this place. In a country I couldn't pronounce, uh, I knew the Bosnia part, not yeah. the Herzegovina part. I knew grace was flowing from this place. I believed the um, the witness of the hundreds, if not thousands, of people who become priests, uh, who found their vocation, found their husband or wife from this place. Um, but aside from that perspective, I had a personal, um, I guess, in the words of, uh, you know, Israel, I, I was wrestling with God. Um, and so I, I, knew, I, I had that prayer card that says, if you knew how much I love you, you'd cry of joy. And I was- <laughs> From Medjugorje. Uh, from Medjugorje. Um, and I was driving in my car, and I remember exactly where I was when I, when I said this prayer. Um, almost with a chip on my shoulder, I said, okay, then show me. If I knew how much you would love, you love me, then let me cry of joy. That was my prayer. And I was uh, knocked off my feet like St. Paul, or as some would say, his horse, um, with this whole trip experience and still coming back from it, um, just being totally knocked off my feet with, with an answer to that prayer. Okay. So, but going in, you had no idea. Going in, I had no idea um, for what God had in store for me personally. The only idea that I had was uh, the stories that I've heard from Ann Busick, um, from other witnesses. And so I had no idea it was going to be um, a, a personal, personally touching experience the way it was. Now, you, you came from San Diego? Yes. We flew out of LAX, but from San you Diego. You did. Okay. So LA, same thing. So we're yeah. talking you know what the first leg of that trip was what 14 hours or so just about that's that's harsh right <laughs> that's harsh because you know you can't underestimate the profound effect travel has on you 
when you're going to a place that far away. And then you had another flight to get to uh, the place where we pick up the bus and get you in. Yes. So you arrive probably pretty tired, but excited because you're young. Yes. And uh, fitter than most. So uh, <laughs> you arrive, and then what's your first? What's the first thing you notice? Right. Well, I had just gone on a trip to Italy um, this past spring, and in Italy there is um, no less than ten churches around you at all times within a one mile radius. And so when I first got to my hotel room, I went outside on this little balcony we had, and I saw the two church steeples uh, of that of St. James in Medjugorje. And I figured, oh, that's probably one of five churches close to here. <laughs> and I was like, that's cool. At least I can see one of these churches. And it turns out that is the... It's the is, church. That is the church. It's the church, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And again, and I think that's... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think that's what really struck me about Medjugorje, um, having seen all these beautiful churches across Italy, was the humility that the that this little town has, um, not only in its church, but its people as well. I understand the draw um, from Our Lady to this place because of that simplicity. It, it is unique because, you know, basically everybody in the town is living Catholicism. They all go to church every day. They all pr pray the rosary every day. Many of them go to church twice a day because they go to the Croatian Mass at 7 a.m. and then they go to the evening program at 5 p.m. So when you have everybody in the town going to Mass and praying the rosary and then all the pilgrims coming are doing the same thing, the whole population is basically pressing into God. And you can't say that about Rome. You can't say that about Fatima. You can't say that about Lourdes or any other Marian apparition because the neighborhoods have become so integrated with the nuns, people who don't believe in anything, Buddhists, Muslims, whatever, atheists. So to go to a part of the planet where everybody's in sync with the same ideology, the same religion, and practices it worships the one same god that's why it's a protected land that's why when you go there there's really no temptation i've for me anyway i never have temptations when i go to medjugorje i feel like it's i'm under a dome and i'm just living the, my best life there so when you go to a place where everybody's working towards god's will that's what happens it's almost like heaven when heaven touches earth that way you're in a s small way, not the same as heaven, but you're experiencing heaven in a new way. All right, so let's back up. Tell people about yourself. Who are you? So you you are a Notre Dameer. Yes, sir. My classic Notre Dame introduction <laughs> would be I'm J.D. Carney. I'm from San Diego, California, and my my hall is Dylan Hall. We only have dorms in at Notre Dame. We don't have Greek life. Um, and so I was blessed with four years at the University of Notre Dame where I played quarterback. And I came in as a preferred walk-on, having been born and raised in San Diego with a father who brainwashed me to only love Notre Dame. In fact, that was the only college I applied for. Um, <laughs> put all my eggs in that basket and the Blessed Mother opened up the door for her to be my mascot for four years. And so right now I am acting. I'm an actor. And I'm living in Santa Monica. My day job 
is teaching theology to freshmen. And that has been a tremendous gift to um, have a fulfilling mission uh, towards my vocation, which I feel is to to teach through my witness, my love for the Lord, um, even in acting, um, having the gift of um, showing other people that they're not alone through my through my acting. But of course, I get to do that literally as a teacher. And so that's what I've been doing the past two years since my graduation. And I think that's the introduction. It's a good one. And the reason you're in football, maybe because you've probably been pushed a little bit from from your younger days by your father. Your father was a professional NFL player. Correct. A kicker, which surprising or not, kickers are people, too. Um, (laughs) Well, I would say in the last Super Bowl, we learned that. We we certainly did. Good for them. I think, if, you know, of all the people that play football, the kickers are the smartest. That's true. And the second string That's, quarterbacks. Yes. Come on. <laughs> you, you're getting in there. You're doing your job, but you're not getting killed. Exactly. Everybody else is doing their job. Okay. So as a younger person, when I first went to Medjugorje the first time, I, I didn't know what to expect. I got out of the... Um, the car and I looked around and it was basically all blue haired old ladies praying the rosary. Nothing against blue haired old ladies, but you know, you're, you're probably younger than I was. I was, I can't remember, probably 30, 30 ish, 33. So when you got there, you already had a little bit from your mother, but you know, what was your take? Right. Um, well, I think the, <laughs> The demographic, I, I think, was similar to what you experienced when you first went there. There, there I was surrounded with old ladies um, on our pilgrimage group, and I, we were very blessed to have you accompany us throughout the entire trip. Um, and I even remember you saying that at the beginning of the trip, that this place, you're, you're almost protected from most of the temptations you experience. Yeah. Um, God knows that from me living in Los Angeles. I was in a very different place. Um, I would say that... Initially, yes, I, I was surrounded with the old ladies praying. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a couple other young um, young buddies on the trip, uh, Johnny and Christian, that is. Um, but initially, I I felt like I was finally getting to witness all that my family had been talking about, those in my family that had gone on the trip before. Um, immediately before our first talk, I call it the Yellow Barn, um, wherever they offer the the other masses. Yeah. Before our first talk there, I was seeing people kneeling down, receiving confession right outside and kneeling on these rocks. I was like, wow, here we go. This is it. This is the confessional of the world, as they call it. It was very surreal seeing that come to life. And uh, it was exciting. It, It was like getting to step into the world that people have been talking about. Um, and I was, I, I, it made it easy for me to jump into that, I would say. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the group was, you know, the average age was above, you know, mine and yours. But good group, happy group. Um, I think everybody gelled pretty well. It was like a nice, enjoyable experience for everybody. Um. And I think something that people don't understand, especially, you know, the younger people are like, well, why would I go there? I could go to 
St. Martin, you know, Hawaii. I can go to all these great places where I can relax. Why would I go to Bosnia? And yet, one hour from Medjugorje is the Croatian coast. So I know you don't know, you know, you didn't get to do this, but I got there a day before you. So I spent the day at the beach <laughs> in literally emerald green water where you can be up to your neck and see your feet. That's how clean it was. Uh, so it has beauty. It has a pristineness to it. It has an untouched nature where, you know, they don't have the chemicals and all the crap that we have in America. Um, beauty, just undefiled. But for the people out there who are younger, you know, um, it's not all first. Well, I know you liked running up the mountains and doing all that, <laughs> yes. which is what you do when you're your age. That's beyond me. Um, but um, because we had a lot of men on the pilgrimage and many of them were, you know, people who work out, we actually got to go to a gym a couple of times a week and you know work out so you know when you go on pilgrimage people think oh i'm just going to be praying 10 hours a day it's going to be terrible because i can't pray that long but correct that stereotype right i would say that um wherever the carnies travel and that's my last name <laughs> <laughs> we find the gym we find the weight room and my father is usually disappointed with what he sees uh, but fortunately, you shed light for us and took us to an outstanding weight room. We were able to, um, to basically hit the Carney standard, um, and it was all. And I think that was that was that was the first part of the trip that actually made us kind of relax and um, feel feel at home a bit. It was a nice break um, because we were able to get after it. I was able to hit my arm day. I'm doing an arm program called Armageddon. Um, I was able to uh, feed the body as well as the soul on that trip. Um, but you're right. I think, you know, sometimes people are turned off by religion, I would say, because there's a stereotype that you have to remove yourself from the world. And it's unfortunate because it's untrue. I think God draws us to himself through nature first is what I, mm -hmm. I teach my students. And as you follow the catechism, it goes natural revelation, then divine revelation. And so, although you didn't tell us you were swimming in emerald green waters, I would love to experience that. Um, you you can experience God in nature, but that leads you to want to experiencing him, to want to experience him deeper. And I think that that's how our trip played out. We're able to first relax. Okay, we got our workout in. Um, we're looking at this beautiful countryside, but our hearts are still restless. And so, let's find the place where they can rest in the Lord. That's what I was hoping the Blessed Mother would do for me, and she most certainly did in bringing me um, closer to her son later on that trip. But it started with, yeah, you could be, um, you could still experience the wonders of this world. Working out is one of the greatest gifts God has given us. Ask the Greeks or the Romans. Um, there's a very big Stoic culture on the internet right now um, of people discovering, wow, it's it's such a gift to to carve the body, right? That's that's natural revelation. Um, so yeah, it helped us get our toes wet so that we were, I think, wanting to have our thirst quenched deeper in the mass, in the holy experiences, in the rosaries. And um, again, it starts with natural, leads us to the divine. I think what a lot of people don't 
recognize or understand is that especially when you're traveling you know like the degrees that you did you know 15 hours on this flight my flight was my travel is shorter but no better because i had I, four segments going home so it's you know layover 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 and that adds to all the uh, as well so but when you get to where you're going if you can carve out time to exercise it realigns your body and it sets you up for good sleep you know and it actually helps you integrate into the pilgrimage a little better but i think i don't know that yeah well i think a lot of people now um are afraid of stress and one of the most profound things i ever heard is that our bodies actually love stress you've never um gone off the couch after four hours of scrolling through instagram or tiktok tiktok and said wow i need to do this again sometime but after a tremendous hike you may be exhausted you may hate your friend that dragged you on that hike you're like wow i feel incredible after an intense workout wow i feel great swimming exercising our bodies need this natural stress and our mindset is just oh i don't want stress oh i have anxiety and in fact when you endure such things it reduces stress it allows you to sleep more it relaxes you it gets your body adjusted after the horrible flight with you know all these people on the plane trying to get off the plane before you all that stress needs to be released and um i think you know if you give your body that uh i guess fake stress working out in a gym simulating fight or flight mode um it, it does wonders and i agree i think it helps settle us into the trip and prepare us for all that God really had in store for us that trip. I, I think you're right. I mean, when you actually get to like push your body and then exhaust it, and now it's in rebuilding mode. So when you sleep, you sleep heavy and you really go into a deep sleep. When you get up, you're ready. You're ready to receive now more, both physically with your food intake, but also spiritually. So yeah, amazing. And I wish, you know, we can't do that with a lot of the 80 year olds. Because it's like, you know, what are you going to do with them? But I'll tell you, my last pilgrimage, no, two pilgrimages ago, I had the youngest was 18 months. And she was a delight. You know, usually babies that age are very fussy and cranky. She was perfect. The oldest was 90. And he ran up the mountain ahead of everybody else. Wow. I said, somebody told me you're 90. Is that true? He goes, yeah, I'm 90. I go, I don't believe you. So he showed me his license and I go, how are you so fit? And he says, I work out every day and I plank. He planks 10 minutes at a time. Wow. And I went, you're crazy. <laughs> I was like, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the guy's 90 and he's doing well. All right. So that's the, that was just the physical getting adapted, growing, working through, you know, the jet lag and all that. Um, but you saw other young people there, correct? I did. Yeah. Adoration, who was there? Adoration, what, well, I, I saw a lot of young women. Um, Just women. And, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you could say I had my eyes out. <laughs> you know, you hear all these stories of young men finding their wives. I mean, I, of course. I figured if I could survive Medjugorje without feeling a call to the priesthood, then I think I, I think I, I can rest finally in the peace of where my heart has always felt called, which is marriage. 
yeah, I saw a lot of young women and, you know, I, to get myself refocused, I'd say they probably speak a different language. So might as well. <laughs> so don't worry about that. But um, yeah, there are young couples. There were young women. Um, and yeah, there are, I, I think, a few young men my age that or slightly older um, that are about it. And I think that's, I guess I, you're right. It's not a stereotype. The stereotype is that um, to be deep in your faith, you have to be like grandma. Um, but fortunately, and I think the most powerful witness are the young priests that were there as well. I think, um, you know, young as in, in their 30s. Um, and they're living an intense vocation um, that is, it's, it's attractive to see. Yeah, particularly Franciscans. I mean, they have a lot of young men. Um, two of them, well, the pastor is just in his, I would say, probably early 30s. So the pastor of Medjugorje is a young priest, which is kind of interesting that the Franciscans would have chose him for that, right? But right. he's incredibly organized, and he is a man that um, is prayerful but also gets the job done. So you can see why he did. they chose him for that. Okay, so of the whole week, if you had to pick, you know, what was your highlight? What was that? Ooh, I was looking forward to this question. <laughs> uh, and the answer um, is is because of something you taught us. So at the beginning of the trip, you explained to our group that it's a very beautiful and important prayer to start each day with saying, Lord, I give you permission. Mm. And... I adopted that prayer, and I think it was the middle of the week. I think it was Wednesday. Uh, it was actually the worst day um, emotionally for me, and I don't mean like I was emotional, but like I, I felt annoyed. I felt irritated. Like I said, I was waiting for Our Lady to show me how much she loved me so I could cry, and I hadn't experienced that. And I kept kind of saying that in the trip. I felt this intellectual, uh, this feeding of my intellect. You were sharing profound bits of wisdom with our group. And I loved picking your brain at the lunches, but um, I hadn't had that heart, that, that touching the heart. And I, I understand the whole difference between consolation and desolation and how even when we don't feel God, he's with us. But I was, I was very angry about that. And that day I had said, Lord, I give you permission. Do with this day what you want. Is this and the later, thing that? Uh, I think I had, been, I had been saying that, but this was the first, the first day I was like, okay, Lord. This whole day for you. <laughs> yeah, I gave you permission. Because it was later in the trip, and I, I hadn't had that experience yet. I wanted you hear all these people who have words of knowledge. I wanted to hear how, how my soul was doing. And because I had said that prayer, I felt um, the Lord say to me that this can still be the best day yet. And I was like, okay, then I can't wait for this day to turn around, and I and I feel better. I go over to the cross where Jesus, the, the resurrection Jesus, but he's still kind of crucified. The one with the, the weeping, the weeping Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I sat there and I watched for 30 minutes as pilgrims came and they, they, they touched their relics to the, to the cross to have it blessed with the water coming from it. And, uh, and then I did the stations of the cross and I, I, I felt very, very just frustrated through all of it. Um, I was following these, these two little Irish women 
and kind of eavesdropping as they were doing the stations. Oh, dear Lord, you know, we pray for all those who are addicted to pornography as we remember the stripping of Jesus's clothes. You know, I was, I was listening, trying to join them. And then behind me was the weirdest looking dude I've ever seen in my life. Um, he was wearing like this red dress and had these flip flops on. And um, he, he was kind of like gaining on me. So I was trying to keep pace between these Irish women and this dude behind me wearing this bizarre outfit. And it, it was a crazy experience. And I also heard, if you look at the sun around 640, sometimes people, and some people in our group saw this, get to see the miracle. That <coughs> and they see it turning colors and dancing. Yeah. And so I'm wearing my sunglasses. It's, it's like 637. I'm like, okay, this is when my day is going to turn around. I'm going to see the miracle of the sun. I'm going to feel God. Well, 640 hits, and I'm staring directly at the sun, and it is just burning my eyes through my sunglasses. And I was like, okay, that's that's not for me today then. And so the reason why I say this was the best day of the trip is because um, I went through the rest of that day uh, kind of frustrated. And I think um, even in that, I had given Lord permission for that to be his day. And I didn't feel anything throughout the day. And I figured, um, and looking back on the trip, if I can say that, you know, the worst, the best day for me was the day I felt the worst, the weakest link. Um, that will reflect how strong this trip truly was for me. The following day, God answered all my prayers. I had this beautiful couple pray over me. I believe they also prayed over you. Um, I, I felt God's healing power. I had a beautiful confession right after mass, everything. But the day before, I'd say, was the best day because um, I think God desires our hearts even when we're broken. And, um, you know, they say the reason why the Catholic Church is so strong is because it was founded on the weakest link. Peter, a man who was so human, who betrayed Jesus, that's the reason why the church has lasted. All other empires were founded on somebody strong, and our church is founded on somebody weak. So the weakest day for me, Father, was the best day. Well, on my calendar, Good Friday always precedes Resurrection Sunday. Mm, I, I haven't even made that connection yet. Wow, that makes <laughs> I think for you too. <laughs> that makes sense. That's right. That's right. Well, we are just about out of time. Thank you so much for coming on. I hope this inspires people because Medjugorje is not just for old people. It's for all people. It's our lady. She's our mother. She's everybody's mother. I'm so glad you had a great experience. And I, I know you'll share it with your friends and with your kids, your students. Um, and I'm I'm certain you'll be back on with us again. So thank you, JD. Pleasure to have you. This thank you, is Father. And signing off.